This week we're going to look at the fact that God is omnipresent. God is not limited by time or space. Think about that. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by space. He's not localized to one building. He's not localized to one nation. All of God is completely present at every point in the universe. If you've ever studied, you know, through the Hubble telescope and and all that, how big God really is, how big the universe really is, God spoke that into existence. And if you and I could get in a spaceship and go all the way to the end of the solar system, all the way to the end of the universe, we'd never not find God. God is with us wherever we can go. David said that in the Psalms, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? So he's not, he's everywhere all the time. But don't confuse The fact that God is everywhere, that God is everything. That's called pantheism. And pantheism is not biblical and it's not how God has revealed himself. The pantheism teaches that everything is God. The chair you're sitting in is God. You're part of God. The mountains are part of God, etc., etc. That's not true. Don't ever confuse the creator in his creation. But God is everywhere present all the time. It's important for us to understand that. And as I was thinking about this, I thought a good illustration is this. Air. There's air in this room that you can't see, but you can't live without it either. You can try to ignore air. Air, I don't believe you exist. (sighs) Air, nope, 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 I'm not, you know, it's kind of falls a little short there. Well, the, the same is kind of true about God. We, we, we need to learn to recognize God's presence. We need to learn to realize that he is everywhere all the time. Not, we, we, we pray this prayer sometimes. I've prayed it. You've prayed it. And we say, Lord, would you be with us as we go out and do whatever we're doing? Lord, be with me today. That, that's, that's actually not biblical to pray that way. How you should pray is, Lord, would you help me to recognize your presence wherever we go today? Help us as we go about ministry, as we go about what you've called us to do, to recognize your presence. And we need to, we need to tune in. If God's everywhere, you and I need to really tune in to what's going on. In this room today, there's, there's frequencies Some of you are trying to find a Wi-Fi hotspot in here so you can check scores or you can do whatever's going on. Because there's there's waves of Wi-Fi going through this room as we speak. And we don't see them, but but they're there. And if we can, you take, take your phone or whatever it is and you tune into that frequency. God wants you and I, through the Holy Spirit... To understand and tune into him that, that this word omnipresent is not just a stale theological truth. It's super practical for everyday life. Very practical. Look what it says in Joshua 1.9. This is what God told Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. I wonder today if you think, ah, it's true for Joshua. Is that really true for me? We tend to do that with scriptures. We read these things and say, oh, that's great for Joshua. That was great for Daniel. Great for whoever. Is that really true of me? You need to embrace this today. You need to hold on to this. 
and understand what God wants for us to know, to know about him so that we can know him better. Understanding this is going to make a huge difference in your life. Listen, life brings pain. How many have figured that one out? Life brings pain. Life brings difficulty. When you and I understand that God is ever-present with us, this will help us to know God better and to actually answer this question. Where is God when I need him? I guarantee all of us at some point in time said, God, where are you? I need you. I don't, I don't feel you. I don't see where you're at. Where are you? We've all been there. Let's look at this this morning. First of all, if you're taking notes, where's God when I'm lonely? Where is God when I'm lonely? We live in a lonely world. There's more people on the planet than there ever has been, and yet people are more lonely today than they ever have been at any point in human history. We have loneliness, people that are experiencing the pain of loneliness in various ways. People can be lonely in a crowd. There can be crowds of people and somebody feels lonely. People can feel lonely in church. Never should be that way. But people, sometimes people go to churches where there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people and they don't interact with another human being and still feel lonely in the, in the middle of that. Some people are lonely in their marriage. Maybe the spouse is distant for whatever reason. There's people that have experienced loss, loss of a spouse, loss of a loved one, and that's caused a, a loneliness inside of us. Some people, just the season of life that you're in, seasons have changed. Maybe you're an empty nester now, and life isn't the way it used to be, and so there's this sense of of loneliness that can be there. People work and have to travel for their jobs, and you'd be gone for uh, extended periods of time. There's a loneliness that comes with that. Sometimes just people growing old creates loneliness in a lot of people. I've seen that. Well, look, we need to remember this. Where's God when I'm lonely? Here's what God has said. In Hebrews 13, it says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's pretty cool. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Years ago, I went through one of the most difficult seasons of my life. I experienced... uh, Loss that I never dreamed I would experience. A brokenness that I didn't know would ever happen to me. And it left me feeling very forsaken. I could make you raise your hand and say, have you ever felt forsaken? But I don't need to do that. We all at some point have felt that season of feeling forsaken. Feeling that, that pain of being, feeling lost, feeling lonely. And I remember one morning in the, in the depth of, of, of this feeling forsaken, I played what I call Bible roulette. You ever played Bible roulette? I don't encourage this at all, but you spin the wheel, ling, 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 ling. It's like, ah, boom, okay. I'll read that verse, and I'll find some encouragement from that verse. And, uh, you know, I, that's why I say don't, don't ever play Bible roulette, because you'll play it, and it says, and Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, I don't want to, that's not advice I want right there. So don't, don't recommend that. But, but God in his grace and mercy that day when I played Bible roulette, I landed on this verse. That God, the, the writer of Hebrews is quoting David from Psalm 27. And in Psalm 27, David said, 
Though all forsake me, though my father and mother forsake me, you, God, will never forsake me. I'll never be alone because, God, you will always be with me. I landed on that, and I had this moment where I was like, I'm going to be okay. I'm actually going to survive what I'm going through right now. As forsaken as I feel, I am going to be okay. This peace came over me. And I actually had this thought hit me. Maybe when you go through trials and struggles and the depth of pain, that's where you know whether you're really a follower of Jesus. That's where you really know whether you have faith or not. Faith is not faith until it's tested by pain and loss and suffering. And in that moment, I thought... I had a little party. I thought, I, I'm a Christian. I, I really believe this stuff. This, is, this actually is what I've built my life on. And it was like that foundation. I, I was able to almost start over and say, God, though all forsake me, you're never going to forsake me. So what would I encourage you to do today if you're feeling lonely? I need to recognize God as my constant companion. Write that down. I need to recognize God as my constant companion. Do you know that Jesus calls his followers friends? If you're a follower of Jesus, he calls you friend. I got good friends in my life. And I love the fact that they call me friends and I call them friends. And, and we get to do life together and encourage one another. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, calls you friend. Let that sink in. If you're his follower, you have his presence through the Holy Spirit with you constantly. The Holy Spirit is our constant companion. You're never away from God. You can try to ignore God, but you can't avoid him. The Holy Spirit is always with us. And, and that's a comfort. And it's, he's our constant companion. So when I recognize this, my loneliness turns to joy. Psalm 16.1, it's not on your notes, but David said, Your presence fills me with joy. When you and I recognize the presence of God, we're filled with joy. What a wonderful thing for us to have. Second thing is this, where's God when I'm worried and scared? Where's God when I'm worried and scared? Many in this room are going through tough times. You're going through a season of life that's bringing worry and fear. Tell me if you can relate to this. You ever have those times where here's your faith. It says you believe God's word and you trust in what God says but then fear and worry are over here, and there's this tug of war, this actual argument going on between your faith and your fear. The fear is saying, oh, no, God's not going to come through. And you say, oh, yes, he will. He has in the past. And you're in this tug of war, and it actually tries to intimidate you. When we were in the Dominican, one day we were eating at this kind of hole-in-the-wall place. Mama Rosa cooked us the best chicken I've ever had in my entire life, but that's the other side story. And, but this, this guy came in off the street. You guys remember this? And he, he started chewing me out in Spanish. And it was kind of freaky. Like he was, bah, 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 bah. and I was like, uh, I, no, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, bro. I was sorry. And he was kept, and he was singled me out. And I'm like, you know, what's going on here? I felt kind of slimed in that moment. And they were trying to kick him out of the restaurant, you know, in Spanish, bah, 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 get, get out of here. And, and uh, he finally left. But I, I remember feeling this almost like temptation to be intimidated in the moment. That's what happens between our faith. And our fear, there's fear and worry is trying to intimidate you. If you're worried and scared today, look at this verse. God says this, I will be with you when you pass through the waters. 
And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire. And the flame will not burn you. That's good stuff. That's allegory for the, the times in life when the waters are overcoming us and the flames seem so hot. I thought of Daniel in the fiery furnace when he was down there and we thought for sure he'd get burned up and, and yet it says in there that, that he didn't get burned at all, that even the ropes were burned off that they were tied up with, but, Dave, but Daniel was there not burned and as a promise from God. Are you always aware of God's presence? I'm not. I'm not. I wish I was. And I want to practice his presence and learn that. I got to thinking, if we could be aware of God's presence more, you know what the result would be? It would be continual confidence. It would be a security that's confident, that's constant. And it would bring a stability that relieves all the stress. We carry all this stress on us from the worries of life and how is this bill going to get paid? How is this relationship going to work out? On and on and on and on. If I could be aware of God's presence, it'd be like that bully that's trying to intimidate you, but your big brother's there. To, you know, nobody messes with you when big brother's around. I mean, that would help us to be, feel that sense of, hey, I'm with him. Take it up with him. It's really what you need to do with your worry and fear is take it up with Jesus. And let him deal with it for you. Let him bring that confidence in you. So what do we need to do when we're worried and scared? I need to run to God as my confidence. Run to God. Let him be your confidence. David said this. This is a powerful declaration of faith that we can hold on to. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Today, maybe for you, the question I would ask you is, is what are you fearing today? What's got you worried? Is it money, relationships, the future? Maybe it's a health report you got. What is it that's trying to, to scare you? And where is God? Listen, he's right there with you, walking with you. He's with you to give you the confidence that you need. Number three, where's God when I'm tempted? Where's God when I'm tempted? Well, I'll give you a quick answer. God's right there with you to lead you away from whatever it is you're being tempted. When you're tempted, you're being tempted to do something that's going to hurt you or others. That's the bottom line of temptation is you're being tempted to do something that's going to harm you and harm others. That's, that's the goal of temptation is our, our destruction. To destroy our faith, to destroy our lives, to destroy something in our lives. Here's what God has promised. He's promised us to, promised to walk with us. And before I read a scripture to you, we've probably all made this mistake. And we make this statement and we say, man, I just couldn't help myself. How many have heard that before? How many have said it? Just kidding. I, I couldn't help myself. Or how about this one? Ah, the devil made me do it. You know, how do I find the right words to respond to both of those? Um, bull? <laughs> uh, not true? Uh, um, no? I mean, there's, there's, there's no truth to that. We can 
help ourselves. And the devil doesn't make us do anything. And if we realize that today, that when we're tempted, we're tempted to make a choice. Am I going to trust God and believe him and that he knows what's best? Or am I going to trust myself and my circumstances? Here's, here's what scripture promises. No temptation has overtaken you except that what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I love that. Since temptations are common, it says that they're common to man, mankind, there must be common solutions, if you will. And I was thinking about this. Temptation always comes very similar to all of us, especially if you're a follower of Christ. A temptation's always going to come with, first of all, it's going to get you to question God's word and question his character. Temptation always comes that way. Think all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When uh, God had told Adam and Eve, listen, you can eat of all the trees in the garden. I'm going to reserve one for myself. Don't eat of that one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But you can have everything out there as yours. Like a typical people that, you know, that we are, the law arouses the sinful nature. If you tell me I can't do something, I begin to go, well, huh, why can't I do that? So the temptation begins there. What's going, what am I missing out on? And... Uh, but with this, in that situation, when the devil came and tempted Eve, he said, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of the tree? Remember that? He came and he questioned God's word. Did God say? She responded appropriately. She said, yeah, he did say. He said that we'll die. He said, oh, you're not going to die. You'll, God's holding out on you. See, he knows that if you eat of this tree, you'll be like him. See, see question God's word, question his character. If you and I will believe God's word, that God always has our best his intentions in mind, and that his character is good and true and right, we'll be able to handle temptation differently. Another thing about temptation is this. It's a good thing to remind yourself that God sees everything. It's a good thing to remind yourself on a daily basis. God, there is nothing that you don't see. Because you're everywhere and you know everything. There's nothing that, that, that somehow he said, oh, I didn't see that. Or how'd that happen? I, I wasn't ready for that. That's not, never true of God. How much easier is it to control yourself when someone's watching? How much easier? Seriously. It's way easier. It's, it's a motivation to know that. Um, if you're driving in, the, in your car... And somebody cuts you off and you're ready to, uh, you know, flip them off or get mad or do something, show anger. And all of a sudden you realize you're about ready to go off on them and you go, Pastor Mark, how's it going? Hey, good to see you, Mark. Uh, I was just waving hi to you. You're number one, Mark. I love you. We, we, we act differently. You're, you're chewing your wife out on the phone and Mark calls you and it's da 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 Hello? Hey, Mark, I'm doing great. No, things are good. We, when we think somebody's watching, we're different. You know, men, if your wives are in the room with you, do you watch the same program that when she's not in the room? Of course not. We're not dumb. But, <laughs> however... When we are in, in, in her presence, do you, 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 you know, you're not going to watch the same things that you would when she's not there. It's motivation. How about the temptation for kids to do something that, that if their parents weren't in the room, that they would be tempted to do as if in front of their parents? More importantly, God, he's always watching. He sees when no one else 
sees. So what do we need to do when we're tempted? I need to rely on God as my counselor. I need to rely on God as my counselor. God's presence helps us through temptation. Jesus handled the temptations that were brought to him through Satan in Matthew chapter 4 very simply. How did he handle it? Over and over, what did he do? It is written. He said, it is written several times. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You should, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, etc. He was tempted to usurp his power. He was tempted to do an end around God's plan. All kinds of different things. It's a great study in itself how he handled temptation. You and I need to respond to temptation with, it's written. If you don't know what's written then start learning what's in the scriptures. Everything you need for life and godliness is written in the scriptures. God has given everything that we need, a way out of every temptation, every struggle is right there in the middle of God's word. So so Jesus went to the council of God's word and said, it is written. God is in his word. His presence is there speaking to you every time you open the word. His truth is illuminated to you. Stay in his word. He's there with you. He's counseling you. We need to trust in in him. Some of you are, at this point in life, are thinking about throwing in the towel. You've had a difficult month, difficult year. Listen, where is God when I'm hurt and discouraged? Where's God when I'm hurt and discouraged? Nowhere in scripture do we find that there's not going to be struggles in life. We don't, we don't, you, don't, you won't find a passage of scripture that says you're never going to have that. Actually, Jesus promised in this life you were going to have trials and struggles. If you're discouraged today, if you're hurting, if you're broken hearted, I got great news for you. He's close to you. He is near to you. Look what it says in Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You're brokenhearted today. He's close to you. You went through a loss. You've, you're, you're struggling. He's with you. Look what it says in one of the other translations. It says, the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. That's what it means to be crushed in spirit. Lost hope? Feel hopeless. His presence will see you through when you're discouraged. It really will. His presence will see you through. So what do we do when we're we're discouraged? I need to rejoice in God as my comforter. You can write that down. I need to rejoice in God as my comforter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Jesus said that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to come and to comfort us. Look at this promise in Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's powerful. Billy Graham said, Billy Graham said that if we haven't learned to experience God's presence when times are not difficult when we're not in times of trial, not in times of suffering, if we haven't learned to experience that, then when times do get difficult and struggle comes, we're going to have a way harder time knowing God's presence. Because what happens? What happens to you and I when we go through seasons of pain? We run to whatever we think is going to comfort us and bring us joy. 
Sometimes we run to booze. Sometimes we run to pills. Sadly, sometimes people run to porn. They get angry. Getting angry and showing my anger makes me feel better. There's all kinds of false comforters and, and, and joys that we look to to try to do a couple things with the pain that we have. We, when, when we're in pain, we either try to run from it, deny it, or we try to numb it. And it's usually we're, we're good at numbing our pain. But God, all three of those are not God's, God's answer to your pain. His answer to your pain is to embrace it. Embrace it as a reality of life and as a means of experiencing the comfort of God. Experiencing his encouragement in your life. And experiencing the fact that the 50, 60, 70, 80 years that you get in this life is not it. There's an eternity with God that is, is, is going to be pain-free, sorrow-free, sin-free, suffering-free. This life is a blip on that radar screen of how long eternity really is. And we need to keep our minds thinking that way. A couple things. I want to finish with this. I took the acronym CLOSE. How to stay close to God. And I really think if you would apply these truths starting now, you'll see God working in your life more and more and more. First of all, call out to him. Maybe you've never even done that before. Call out to God. It starts there. First thing to do is to invite Jesus into your life. If you've never invited Jesus into your life to be your Savior and to be your Lord, that's, that's the starting place for every single one of us. Look what it says in Psalm 145. Psalm 145, 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. All who call on him in truth. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God, come near to him, and he'll come near to you. Take this to the bank. You're as close to God as you want to be. You're as close to God as you want. He's not gone anywhere. We're the ones who kind of do this. Like, uh, maybe if he, we don't make eye contact, I won't notice that he's there. <laughs> it's kind of dumb on our part. You're as close to God as you want to be. Call out to him. Secondly, learn to be still before him. Learn to be still. It says in Psalm 46:10, "Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God." Jesus always found time for silence and solitude. When he you see throughout scripture that he would go and get away and be close to his father and he would get to a quiet place. But he didn't do it to respond to ministry like, oh, I'm so burned out. I better go get quiet. No, he went away and got recharged and prepared for ministry. Every time you see Jesus getting away and being quiet, something big was about to happen. And I know many in this room are experiencing burnout. You've told me. <laughs> And you've told others, and you know it in your heart. It's like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Learn to be still before God. Go be quiet. Uh, Stephen Andrea Craig gave me a chair that I put in my office. It's my prayer chair. And it's a place that I can go sit, ching, shut the door, open the scriptures, and just be quiet before God. It's been a great thing to, to go into this, this new year. Thirdly, if you're going to stay close to God, you've got to open your heart and ears to him. Open your heart and ears to him. Jesus said in John 10, 27, he said that his sheep hear, listen to his voice. I know them and they follow me. 
So we've got to learn to open our heart and open our spiritual ears to him. Being led by God, being prompted by God, and then obeying what he says, that leads to a greater awareness of his presence in our life. We need to learn to, to tune our ears. The more you and I, when you get that little prompt and you think, I think God might be telling me to do something. And you, I, I don't know, step out in faith. And the more you do what you feel prompted to do, the more you'll be like, ah, that is the voice of God. That is God speaking to me. I play guitar. And these plenty of great musicians up here. I taught myself how to play. And I'm not saying that to brag. I just, I'm, I don't like instructions. So that's a whole other issue. We can counsel me later. Um, but I, I've learned how I can hear and go, oh, that's an E chord. Oh, that's a G chord. That's a whatever. And it's tuned tune my ear. That principle is so true in hearing the voice of God that, ah, yeah, that's God. That's not the pizza I had for dinner or it's not the voice of the devil or whatever. It's God speaking to me, speak, leading me in his truth. I thought about this. When's the last time you and I did something in obedience to God as a result of prayer? Meaning this. You sat. You called out to God. You were still before him. You opened your heart and ears to him. And he prompted you and you said, ah, I know what to do now. I I sought God and he spoke to me through prayer. If it's been a while, I encourage you this week to go and learn how to listen to God. Fourthly, Seek him about everything. Seek him about everything. I know a lot of you try to figure out the words ahead of time on the fill-ins. and I would do that too if I was in your shoes. But 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray about everything. Pray without ceasing. Not ceasing, but pray without ceasing. Continually prayer. Continual prayer in our life. Not just praying about the big things in life, but, but pray about everything. Bring everything to God. Have a constant relationship with God. And then lastly, establish an attitude and posture of thankfulness and praise before him. If you'll get up on a daily basis, as Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his courts with thanksgiving in your heart, enter his courts with praise. Thanksgiving and praise open our hearts and make us aware of him, his presence in our life. You know what scripture actually says in the Psalms? It says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When we declare who God is, it says God, we tangibly can experience the presence of God. So if it's been a while since you feel like you've experienced God, begin to thank him. Begin to praise him. Tell him who he is and watch how he'll begin to work into your life. Here's here's how I want to ask to finish this. Would you commit to applying these truths into your life starting this week? Remembering that God's already there. So I call out to him. I be still before him. Open my ears. Seek him. Establish that attitude of thankfulness in in prayer. And remember this. If you're going through pain today, he's already close to you. We don't have to wait to be brokenhearted to experience the presence of the Lord, though. Would you stand to your feet with me?